What is up, cybersecurity and cryptocurrency homies? Today is Friday, January the 25th of 2019. This is episode 57 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. Sorry, it's been a while since I've done a podcast. Been a little bit under the weather the last few days, kind of coming out of it now, and didn't want to have a podcast where I'm sounding like I'm half dead, so feeling better today and I'm able to come out of the woodwork and do a podcast here. So we've got a lot to get to. Quite a bit of news with uh, the whole government shutdown and what's happening with various government services and how uh, hackers are trying to take advantage of this government shutdown. Also going to talk about some WordPress stuff. I know a lot of sites use WordPress and so there's some new uh, what WordPress is calling features coming out that uh, some people are kind of concerned about. Also going to talk about the recent trends in phishing emails and what the hackers are trying to go after primarily, uh, at least from in 2018, get some of those statistics. And some other news about um, a hacker that's uh, showing how to demonstrate uh, a remote jailbreak on an iPhone. So we'll touch on that briefly. And then there was a pretty big leak of bank, loan, and mortgage documents as well that we'll talk about. And that's on the all on the cybersecurity side. On the cryptocurrency side of things, we're going to talk about Overstock and what they're doing with their token platform. Going to talk a little bit about the uh, Tron CEO and some of his job postings that he's got. Sorry, they they made me laugh. So we'll talk about some of those. Um, also going to talk about your taxes and your crypto and what that means and how you have to file all this stuff. It should be loads of fun, but we'll talk about what Coinbase and TurboTax are doing to help with some of that stuff. Also going to talk a little bit about the Department of Banking and Securities, um, what they came out and said about crypto exchanges and what that means. So to kick things off today, we'll start in the cybersecurity realm and we'll start with the WordPress news that just recently came out. So in WordPress 5.1, which is expected this spring, uh, WordPress is going to uh, introduce what they're calling the WSOD or the white screen of death protection. Uh, it's essentially safe mode for WordPress. And so a lot of the security researchers are concerned that a feature like this could be abused to disable security plugins and, and put uh, WordPress sites at risk. And it makes sense, you know, if you think about it, if your site goes into safe mode, just like, you know, your Windows computer would go into safe mode, typically in safe mode, it disables all of the drivers or whatever, and a lot of the services are not running. Well, same thing would go for this white screen of death for WordPress. It would disable all of your, you know, security plugins that you've got and could potentially cause some some compromises. So that's been a big uh, hot topic here recently with the WordPress folks. Um, so that's supposed to be coming out in WordPress 5.1 this spring. So we'll see if WordPress decides to back out of that move. But there's been quite a bit of uproar about this because, any, as anybody knows, safe mode is um, not, not exactly something you want to have out sitting on the Internet, a safe mode website, because it could be extremely vulnerable to all kinds of different hacks and whatnot. So WordPress is basically saying they're doing it for, you know, to keep your site from crashing or whatever, but... You know, personally, I don't want my site to get hacked. Uh, you know, if it crashes, that's better than it getting hacked. I can always recover from a backup if it crashes. So anyway, um, that's a big to-do there if you have a WordPress site. So I'll post this article in our show notes today as well, so you can check that out. Some other cybersecurity stuff. In 2018, the biggest phishing campaigns were trying to get credentials. They're no longer trying to send malware. Yes, I mean, they're, they're, excuse me, they're still sending malware via email. Don't get me wrong. 
But the vast majority of what hackers were going after, at least in 2018, was they're going after credentials. So that's quite quite interesting there. Um, they're saying that it's an 83% increase from 2017 uh, to go after credentials instead of sending, you know, crypto locker and whatnot. 2017 was all about crypto locker and, you know, how can we, you know, lock down all your systems so you have to pay us in Bitcoin. And in this past year, they're just trying to get credentials primarily. So that was kind of a, some interesting statistics there. And I've seen this too. At, uh, at my current job, you know, we see a lot of these phishing emails and I will say the very, the vast majority of them are, are very much trying to go after credentials because, you know, nowadays most decent spam filters will block, you know, any kind of virus or macro enabled uh, Word documents and whatnot. So a lot of those techniques are much harder and so what these hackers want to do now is they just want to get your credentials so they can log into all the systems that you use and then do what the damage that they want to do from there. So keep that in mind for all of your end users. If it was me, and I'm, I'm responsible for some of this stuff as well, and this is why I'm, I've begun rolling out two-factor for everybody at the company, but that's probably one of the best things you can do to help protect your employees and your company as well is to roll out two-factor because... More often than not, credentials are getting compromised and, you know, there's, especially if you use a single sign-on solution, that can be extremely dangerous because one set of credentials could get them access to multiple systems uh, if you use single sign-on. And a lot of companies do. So keep that in mind for your protections and what you're thinking about for 2019 and how to beef up your, your network security whether it's at your business or even at home too. Um, this can apply to home users. You know, think about you know, you're getting fished at home and they want to get you know, your username and password for your bank account or whatever it is. So they're going after credentials primarily here recently. So heads up on that. Use two-factor everywhere that you can. Some other cybersecurity news. Uh, Department of Homeland Security came out and an issue, issued a uh, an emergency directive um, Basically, regarding federal domains, and they were talking about they're getting all these DNS hijacking attacks uh, happening. And last week, I think I reported about the um, all of the you know IRS sites and whatnot that uh, their cert security certificates are expiring and whatnot. So hackers are trying to take advantage of this government shutdown, and they now they're doing this DNS hijacking to redirect people to malicious sites and all kinds of other stuff. So. This is a, a pretty big issue here with this government shutdown. There's no end in sight, at least thus far. Uh, Trump is holding firm. But I'm hoping that, you know, seeing stuff like this, that hackers are trying to take advantage of us being shut down and or being, you know, light-staffed, um, that the government will come back and be like, all right, guys, we're putting ourselves at risk here. Let's at least, you know, stop the shutdown so it can prevent us from getting hacked. And then we'll continue to debate about this border wall. But uh, certainly scary stuff to see there. If, if um, especially like the IRS, it's tax time. Oh my gosh! If uh, you know IRS's website gets this DNS hijacking attack and you know sending it to some, uh, they're saying most of this was coming from Iran-sponsored actors. Um, they've also seen some other stuff in just general Middle East and uh, North Africa and even in Europe a little bit as well. So 
interesting stuff there when you're doing your taxes this year make sure that you're on the right url um, be very careful about what dns provider you use uh, there are multiple that you can pick from obviously google's got one um, you know there's all kinds of other providers out there but internet service providers could be susceptible to these kinds of dns hijacking attacks so if you're just relying on your isp's dns servers uh, there could be some uh, at least a potential for uh, DNS hijacking there. So just be very, very careful. Be vigilant. Um, typically I use uh, it's 1.1.1.1 for my DNS or the Google ones that are 8.8.8.8. Um, those are two of the better ones. And it's good to not just use Google, but use another one as well. So uh, if, you know, let's say Google got the DNS hijacking attack on them or whatever, um, that hopefully the other um, other DNS providers would not. But again, it's it's all just very scary because of this government shutdown. So hopefully this stupid government shutdown will stop pretty soon. But unfortunately, I have no control over that. But be very, very careful this year with your taxes. Um, I, I also recommend, and I tell everybody that I know, to file your taxes as soon as you can. Because the longer you wait, and with everybody's social security number pretty much being out there on the dark web somewhere, you know, between uh, Equifax and... Uh, yeah, Equifax and all the other breaches that have happened, your social security number is bound to be out there somewhere. And your address is bound to be out there somewhere. And your phone numbers, your email, your previous addresses, all this information is available out there. And, you know, to fake a W-2 isn't that hard. So be very, very cautious because, you know, these hackers can grab any identity on the dark web and uh, make a fake tax return and you won't get your taxes. You won't get your taxes back this year. So I always try to file mine right away uh, the first day uh, that the tax season is open for filing. So just to help prevent that kind of stuff from happening. But again, I don't, I don't run a business either. These are just my personal taxes. I know business taxes can be a lot different there, but just for your personal taxes, I highly recommend getting those in uh, sooner rather than later. All right, some other news about iPhone. Uh, this is kind of interesting that um, there's now a remote jailbreak for iOS. I thought that was kind of uh, funny. You know, it's interesting, in the, over the last few years, uh, rooting Android phones has been extremely difficult, especially on uh, with U.S. carrier-based phones. They've been locking them down pretty heavy. But the jailbreak is, you know, it's similar to rooting your phone. Uh, it's just on an on a Apple device. So I'm I'm interested to see... You know, if you jailbreak the iPhone, how much more can you do versus, you know, rooting your Android phone? I think it's very similar, but typically when you root your Android phone, you're getting uh, custom recovery and you can flash different types of ROMs on there and whatnot. Um, versus the jailbreak with the iPhone or iPad, whatever, uh, typically you're just kind of getting root access to your iPhone to be able to change anything on the phone that you want, not necessarily being able to load uh, a custom operating system on there, for example. So big differences there between rooting and, and jailbreaking, but certainly interesting. This is a guy, a security researcher in China that found this one. So pretty cool stuff there. I'll post this article in the show notes for everybody to check that out as well. Some other big news in cybersecurity, there was a pretty big leak of 24 million financial and banking documents. Uh, it's, apparently it's tens of thousands of loans and mortgages from some of the biggest banks in the United States. Um, 
and it was found online after a security lapse on a server. This was uh, basically an Elasticsearch database. Uh, it had 10 years worth of data in it, and it had, like I said, loan, mortgage agreements, repayment schedules, other any, any kind of financial uh, tax records, whatever it is. And wow, I mean, all this stuff just widely available out there on the internet. Um, they were saying that all this stuff, you know, adds up to more than four and a half billion dollars of, of transactions and whatnot. And oh, oh my gosh. So that was a huge exposure there. Um, apparently this uh, database was not protected with a password, allowing pretty much anybody to access and read the massive database of documents. So again, um, if you haven't been pwned before, you most certainly have been pwned at this point because this, uh, this is pretty big. They have shut down this database. They shut it down on January the 15th, but wow, still, I mean, 24 million financial and banking documents out there from multiple different banks. Ugh, that one hurts. That one hurts. So they're saying the leak was traced back to a company called, I think it's uh, Ascension is how you say it. A-S-C-E-N-S-I-O-N, and they're a data and analytics company for the financial industry based in Fort Worth, Texas. So this company basically provides uh, data analysis and portfolio uh, valuations. Um, those are just some of their services that they offer and whatnot. So they take all this data and kind of crunch numbers on it and, and help, make, help uh, banks and other financial institutions make uh, decisions on, you know, what what type of loans they're going to offer, whatever it is, you know, whatever they're going to want to use those numbers for. But wow, that's a, that's just a huge, huge leak. Um, and it was traced back to that company called Ascension. So very scary stuff there. If you're in the banking industry and you use Ascension, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Ascension's uh, parent company is called Rock Top Partners. Um, so anyway, uh, just interesting stuff there. I'll post this in the show notes as well, but that's, that's a huge, huge treasure trove of financial data out there on the web. They still don't really know what all was accessed and by who, or if it was even accessed at all. This was found by a, a security researcher, but still, um, man, just, these are some like the biggest banks, uh, that the loan information from some of the biggest banks out there. You know, Citibank was mentioned in this article. It just, wow, that's just sad, really, more than anything. Banks are held to such high regulations, and to see that some third party is taking all that info and leaking it like this, it's just it's just scary. Scary to see it, just to get some analytics. But anyway, thought that was an interesting story there for cybersecurity news. But we'll bounce over to cryptocurrency news. So Overstock.com, they came out with their own token and it's called t0 and it's officially open for trading and i had no idea that overstock was going to get into the cryptocurrency game but apparently they they are and um you can now buy and, and trade uh, t0 and um just kind of interesting to see that a company like overstock would get into this i don't really understand the the need for it necessarily but you know i guess we'll see what See if anybody buys into it at all, but um, I just thought that was interesting more than anything. I don't know um, what this means for, for Overstock and what they're trying to accomplish with this, but um, anyway, just certainly some interesting news to see that such a big company is jumping in on the on the crypto game as well, which is, it's good news, I mean, in general for, 
for crypto and blockchain. It's good news to see big companies like that. Uh, but apparently uh, Overstock was you know, trying to do this since like back in 2015 or something when they tried to launch this thing. So um, anyway, they, they just recently launched it. So uh, you can actually buy, sell, and trade these, these uh, tokens there. All right. Uh, this was the funny news of the week, Tron. Uh, if you ever buy Tron tokens, you, you'll also know that Tron uh, purchased uh, BitTorrent and they were doing some interesting stuff there with the BitTorrent clients and being able to offer rewards with, uh, you know, seeding and whatnot. Uh, and they basically pay you in Tron um, tokens and whatnot. So interesting article that I found. Uh, the CEO of Tron, uh, his name is Justin Sun. <laughs> Sorry, it makes me laugh so much when I re read these uh, job postings, but... Uh, essentially, he's posted all kinds of uh, job openings on the uh, Tron website, one of which that really made me laugh was uh, it's kind of an executive personal assistant, somebody that would basically, some of the, the duties listed here are um, <laughs> clean, you know, cleaning the house, essentially, uh, somebody with a 24-7 mindset, um, dealing with maintenance issues at his house, packing and unpacking running personal errands, and developing an extensive knowledge of the Bay Area's restaurants and well-known social and recreational spots. That is word for word from his job postings. <laughs> I thought that was rather funny. You know, a lot of the cryptocurrency space has been cutting jobs, and so it's interesting to see that Tron is actually still hiring people. Um, but if you want to be a personal assistant to the CEO of Tron, here you go, guys. You don't even have to have a college degree, it says here. But as long as you can tell him where to go to have fun and clean up his house, you are good to go. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was funny more than anything. So I'll post that in the show notes. But again, Tron bought Bit, uh, BitTorrent a while back. I think we talked about that on the show as well. So uh, apparently they've got enough funding to continue growing and whatnot. So it's, it's cool to see that. All right, some other crypto news, some not so funny uh, news with tax time coming up. If you trade, buy, sell, trade crypto and you use Coinbase, the IRS is going to get information from Coinbase about your taxes and what, uh, how much money you've got tied up in Coinbase and whatnot and all the transactions that you've done. And apparently you're supposed to you know, write off taxes on all of these, uh, any transaction that you've made, uh, you, you're supposed to include that in your uh, tax write-offs now. Uh, or included in your taxes, excuse me, not write-offs, but you're supposed to list all of those transactions as part of your taxes and all of your gains and losses so that they can tax you appropriately on those gains and losses. So if you're like me, I mean, I'm buying, selling, trading all the time. I have no clue how to even get this kind of information out of any platform that I've used for buying, selling, and trading. But Coinbase has an answer for this. They even had something similar to this last year, but this year they're actually teaming up with TurboTax, uh, which is really cool. So uh, essentially you can just import all your stuff from Coinbase into TurboTax. Uh, it does all the calculations and whatnot for you. Makes your life hopefully a lot easier um, to do your taxes with, you know, all your crypto stuff. If you're heavy into the crypto trading world, this is going to be a huge win for everybody that, um, that buys, sells, and trades heavily in crypto space. So taxes are always a wonderful time of year for everybody, but at least this would hopefully make your life 
a little bit easier if you're using Coinbase for anything. So pretty cool stuff. Coinbase is also integrating with um, another um, cryptocurrency company called Coin Tracker, um, and so that's also used to help you know essentially track the buy, sell, and trades of of everything that you're doing. There's a couple other websites that uh, uh, Intuit is partnering with uh, with crypto tax startups. Uh, one of them is Bitcoin.tax, uh, Bittaxer, CryptoTaxer.tax, and tokentax.co to help uh, with all the taxes this year. So yay, taxes. <laughs> all right. Uh, last thing in cryptocurrency news, uh, the Department of Banking and Securities uh, came out the other day and clarified that crypto exchanges and service providers do not require a money transmission license to operate in Pennsylvania. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so in most cases, if you're an exchange, you're you know you're transmitting money, but uh, Pennsylvania apparently is coming out and saying that uh, you don't need this license to operate in Pennsylvania. So hey, maybe uh, some crypto exchanges need to move all their operations to Pennsylvania. <laughs> but uh, thought that was kind of interesting. I, I I don't know why they just recently came out and said this, but um, it looks like they've been. There's a huge delay on this announcement. I don't even know why, but they said back in 2016, January of 2016, uh, the government was seeking to update the state's definition of money to cover cryptocurrency businesses, um, but it just stalled out at the time due to budget issues and whatnot. So interesting stuff there. Um, now, they did sidebar in this. They said it would be different if you're dealing with ICO tokens at the federal level and there are some exceptions, obviously, to every rule there. But in general, if you're a cryptocurrency exchange um, and you're in Pennsylvania, then you don't need this license to operate in their state. But if you're doing ICOs and tokens, that may change. But uh, anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting stuff there for the cryptocurrency side. Uh, one other thing in cryptocurrency uh, that I saw that was pretty cool. Uh, ING is one of the big, obviously one of the bigger banks uh, in the world, actually, and uh, they signed a deal with R3, which is uh, the, essentially they're, um, they're calling it unlimited blockchain uh, deployment. So basically R3 is giving ING an unlimited number of licenses for what they call it. Their platform is called Corda, uh, allowing the bank to deploy its blockchain te technology and um, essentially it's production ready, ready to go, decentralized apps, all kinds of uh, fun stuff like that. Uh, so they're, apparently they're going to deploy this across all of its international business operations. So they're calling it uh, Core D apps. Uh, again, it's the Corda platform from R3, and they're calling this the Core D apps. So interesting stuff there from ING. That's that's great news for uh, blockchain and for crypto space as well. So very cool stuff there from ING, one of the bigger banking folks. Uh, in the world there. Um, let's see if there was anything else in crypto. Let's see. Yes, actually, there was one last thing. I keep saying one last thing, but uh, I did see a, an interesting article about proof of work versus proof of stake. This was on Coindesk's website. And essentially, a lot of folks are coming out and saying that the proof of work algorithm used by Bitcoin and a bunch of other cryptos is just not a good long-term uh, way to do all these, you know, crypto transactions and generate the coins and whatnot. And personally, I couldn't agree more because 
you know, it requires so much uh, computing power and resources to, you know, to to seemingly do what what's what appears to be a very simple transaction requires all of this computing power and and electricity draw and all that other stuff. So a lot of folks are coming out and saying long term this is not gonna this is not gonna work for Bitcoin and any other proof of work uh, algorithm based coins. Uh, they need to move start moving to uh, some other sort of system because proof of work is just not going to be sustainable for the long term. And I agree. I agree with that. Uh, especially with all the environmental concerns with proof of work and all the electricity that you have to use and uh, these big mining farms that just crunch up tons and tons and tons of energy and put stress and load on our uh, power grids and whatnot. So I can certainly see a big push for proof of stake or maybe there will be some other sort of algorithm or whatever for cryptocurrencies moving forward. But Ethereum is already moving to the proof of stake uh, sometime this year, so interesting to see that. But I don't, I don't know if Bitcoin would ever even be able to move to proof of stake. I have no idea what that would take to be able to switch to that. But a lot of people are coming out and saying that it's not a long-term deal, and we can't keep doing it this way because you know, with especially with Bitcoin, you need more and more and more power as the chain gets bigger, and um, you know, that's when does it end essentially, right? We could keep going forever. All right, folks, that's all I had for today. I want to thank our sponsor, Southern Graphics T-Shirt Company. Their website is southerngraphicstshirtco.com. Go check them out. Uh, on their homepage, they got a link to their Etsy store. If you go to their Etsy store, you can get a discount if you enter the promo code VALENTINES2019. It gets you a 15% discount on the, anything in their store. So go check them out. Again, it's southerngraphicstshirtco.com. Com. All right, folks, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at eEnglish34 on Twitter at eEnglish34. And that's all I had for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will talk again soon.